this month we're going back to school to learn some of the basics because you know you and I always need the basics. And this morning we're going to focus about teachers along the way, people who have stepped into our lives, who have transformed and changed us, people who unexpectedly or expectedly show up <clears throat> and pull from us something we never thought was possible. And the teachers are always interesting in who they are and how they show up, and their timing is impeccable in case you haven't noticed this. So it's amazing to me to look at education and teaching because education is improving the lives of others and for leaving your community and the world a better place than you found it. All of us have been given this gift we call life and we're supposed to bring it to the planet and we are supposed to be teaching each other and loving each other in that process. A teacher is one who helps others and influences lives forever. There's something about them that touches us and when they touch us, we really get transformed in who we are and what we're really about in the process. I think that there are three types of teachers in your life. Those who help you in difficult times. How many of you have had that experience? Yeah, just people who just all of a sudden show up um, and are really powerful. We have them, I have them in my life presently uh, in some of the nurses that we deal with and the doctor that we deal with. And they just show up in this most profound way. And there's no way that you would ever land in their life unless the situation called you to do that. And difficult situations oftentimes open the door for someone to step in and help change and shape us. Secondly, those who left us in difficult times. How many of you had that experience? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, in illness, people get really weird with you. They just do, they sort of, and not just in illnesses and difficult situations. When people divorce, for instance, you know, there's this weird sort of dynamic that happens with the couple of who are you supposed to be friends with and how are you, who are you supposed to act with, which is all stupid as hell. Like they didn't change overnight. They, you know, they're still the, the couple they were before, but how many of you have experienced that uncomfortable dynamic? You know, it's like, now whose side are we on? Like somehow humanity is divided into sides. And yet there is this beautiful dynamic that allows in difficult situations that people make an exit. And lots of times they need to make an exit. Because in making an exit, they open an avenue for someone else to come into your life. And the third type of teacher that I have seen before are those who put, who put you through the difficult times. Those, um, those interesting people that you would just like to put on a boat and have them never come back. You know, the kind of people that just are this little axe that grinds in your saddle that is so aggravating, you're thinking, you know, if we could just get rid of them. And I remember telling my spiritual director in seminary about difficult time I was having with somebody at the seminary, and I said, and it was a faculty member, I said, I'll be so glad when you know who is gone. And he said to me, oh, no. <laughs> there are more of them coming over the hill. <laughs> and there's been hundreds of them in my life. How about you? Yeah. Because there are those people who show up that cause this aggravation in your life. So what I have noticed, and this is what I wrote the other day, experience is the hardest kind of teacher because it gives you the test first and the lesson afterwards. It's, you know, you're going through things and they're difficult 
and you're trying to figure out where is God in all of this and where am I in this and why is this happening to me? And I learned a long time ago that why was the wrong question. Surrender is the answer. Because you can ask why forever and you may find out later on what the why was, but usually in the midst of it, you're not finding out the why. You're busy living the dynamic and living the discomfort that really begins to happen to us in those teachable moments. And so to ask why is ridiculous. To live the experience through and to surrender to the experience that it is giving you is the God gift in the midst of it. Because surrender is a very important dynamic in the gift we call life. Because sometimes life does not make sense. Have you noticed this? <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes the crap that is happening, you're like, how can this be? And yet in the midst of it, if we try to fix it, it never works. But when we surrender to the experience and give it over to a higher power, give it over to God, give it over to spirit that has a lot more depth and breadth than you and I do because we're caught in the dynamic of it. And when you give it over, what I've noticed is things start to work. People show up. Things begin to move. Dynamics begin to happen but it was all dependent on you and I surrendering to the experience. A lot of us run from the experience and then we marry it over and over again. <laughs> Have you not noticed this as well? Yes. They just keep showing up. They just keep showing up in the process. Struggling <clears throat> is one of life's greatest teachers. I don't like to struggle. I don't know of anybody who really likes to struggle. But what I've noticed is it's been one of the greatest teachers in my life. Learning the lesson is where the struggling stops and the freedom begins. When we finally learn the lesson, and sometimes it takes several people and teachers in our lives to get us to the lesson, for you and I to be able to really understand the dynamic and begin to understand what was the lesson in the first place. And if we're reflective, we can look back and begin to realize, oh my God, this is a pattern. This is a pattern that's been happening in my life over and over and over again. And somehow we get to a place where we finally understand we're the pattern. That the teachers and all the dynamics that have been happening in our life have been given to you and I as a gift. A gift to really learn the lesson that we we're supposed to learn in the first place. So there are three areas in the teachers that I want to look at this morning that I think are really important. The first is... There are teachers that touch your heart and change your life forever. I've been blessed to have several of them in my life this morning. And this morning, we're actually going to have a conversation with one of my teachers. Somebody who a long time ago absolutely changed my life at a very difficult time in my life. So there are those people who sort of step in they touch your heart and they change your life forever and then they move on. And thank God for Facebook because through Facebook, I got reconnected with my teacher. And in the process, we had a 45-minute conversation the other day, and I finally said, are you open to having a conversation with me in front of my congregation? And he said, are you willing to let, me, let them hear what I'm going to say? And I, I said, oh, yeah, there isn't much they don't know. There isn't much they don't know. Second part that I want to look at at teachers is life lessons from teachers we would not choose. Those teachers who show up in our lives that we would never, ever, 
want in our lives, but yet the pattern of our life dictates the teacher to show up. It's oftentimes in pain, in discomfort. Did you meet somebody who aggravates the hell out of you only to realize you absolutely needed the aggravation or you wouldn't have moved? You would stay in your own spot, never expanding and never growing. The third teacher is to realize that all of us are teachers. And because we're focusing on teachers today and because I am one of your teachers in your life, you are having a homework assignment today. <laughs> and there will be a checkup afterwards. Because all of us are called to be teachers. So I'd like to introduce you to one of my teachers. His name is Rufus Patrick. And uh, so we're gonna call him this morning. Let me get a microphone here. Rufus Patrick was the music director of Burlington High School where I went to where I went to high school and he and I have different stories about what was going on at the time. We began to discover that as I called him. So we're going to try his cell phone first. If he doesn't answer that, we're going to um, we're actually going to call his home as well. So I have both those numbers. Morning, Rufus. Hello. We're gonna have we're gonna have a conversation this morning and an intimate one about 300 people. Are you ready? Wait a minute. I'm not ready. <laughs> I've heard you say that before. Nothing. Nothing is new. Nothing. You told me <laughs> so I'm gonna talk a wait, little bit. <laughs> you told me you were calling me at 12:15. Well. I were a little early today because the song was shorter. I'm going to blame the musician because it's always the musician's fault. You know that. Like I said, I, I was still, you know, trying to get my heartbeat down and you called me at noon instead of... <laughs> okay, I'm here. I'm Are ready. You here? You're present? All right. I'm ready. So I'm going to introduce you to the kind. Rufus Patrick was my music director when I went to high school in Burlington in the late 70s. And Ooh. Rufus um, changed my life. And how he changed my life was, um, high school was very difficult for me. I didn't fit well anywhere, and I was chunky and fat, and kids made fun of me, and I didn't know, I sort of knew back then that I was gay, but kids made fun of me about that as well. And I didn't know where I fit, except the one thing I could do was I could sing. And so I ended up uh, hanging out in the music department. So Rufus... <laughs> So Rufus, tell them a little bit about your experience of me when I was in high school. Oh, goodness. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, I don't know when our first uh, meeting was, but I'm assuming it was in the chorus room. And um, when a young male shows up, um, no matter what size or if they wear a funny sweater vest, um, <laughs> As long as they can, if they sing tenor, that's all that really matters. Uh, <laughs> as, as in my choirs today and choruses, I'm always uh, hopeful. Uh, I really want to have tenors, yeah? Because yeah. it, it's nice to have tenors. So, but eventually, when you see someone every day, you start to appreciate them as not just a tenor, but as a person, and you realize that they have a kind soul and they have a good sense of humor and um, 
I just, well, he could sing tenor. Um, <laughs> and not only could sing tenor, but you know, he, he, uh, he had a good sense of humor. He had an infectious laugh and he was easy. Um, and I don't know, I don't think in the music room we picked on you a lot, but it was, if we did, it was all in jest. And True. Um, you could always tell because Norm always had a great uh, red cheeks when he got a little embarrassed. Um, he was quick to get very blushy and red. And uh, I don't know if you have makeup now that you cover that. or. <laughs> I don't do drag, Rufus. It's not, in my, it's not my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, some of your, God, I mean, I've seen, I've seen some of your God Squad stuff, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't mean it that way. Um, anyway, you were just fun to have around, and not only that, you auditioned for Allstate, and guess what? You sang with the Allstate chorus, and you auditioned for the New England chorus, and you did that, and you auditioned for the All Eastern chorus, and we took a trip in my old Chevy, and we sang with some of the best conductors in the country and you know at the time they didn't have an all-world chorus so i couldn't have you audition for that <laughs> it's true. but but um it was just a it was the kind of thing back in those days you know i i just looked at everybody as an individual and if they were respectful to me i i returned the respect a hundredfold and we had a lot of fun we made a lot of good music and uh we sang a lot of good, good old classics and uh, a lot of fun stuff as well. And you were a part of that, and that was some of the favorite times when I was teaching. We had some really, really fun, fun. We had a good music family. Let's put it that way. We and did. not only that, your your parents must have something going on in their genetic makeup because all your 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 sisters and your brother all could sing as well not as well as you of course but they could all sing that's the right answer rufus <laughs> i remember um so from my perspective that was absolutely true and my parents um as dysfunctional as our family was music played a huge role and my mother used to make us perform uh in front of people because all of us uh could sing Right. And so we got really tired of that. And at one point, we learned a bunch of dirty Irish songs, and that sort of cleaned it up. So from that point on, we weren't asked to sing anymore. But I remember singing um, in the chorus room, and uh, I remember being connected to life through music that I, I had never done before. And there was sort of an acceptance there that was really powerful. And you played a huge role in that, Rufus. You, you always created an atmosphere that not only was fun, but the dynamic of learning to play well together. Um, right. the, the learning to blend and learning to connect with others because if, if one part of uh, the four, four voices didn't blend, um, it didn't work. And so it, right. it, it taught me a life lesson about you must learn to blend with other voices, that there's more than one voice going on in, in the world. And um, you brought out um, a gift in me that, that continued to serve me the rest of my life in corporate America. Um, for 17 years, I was a teacher uh, doing that, and I would bring my guitar and I would sing, which freaked out the corporate people, which was all worth it, just to be able to do that. Um, Wait, when did you learn to play guitar? I, I learned to play guitar uh, my freshman year of college. I was stuck in um, a job for the summer 
I was a camp counselor at a, a Catholic church where we served um, four through seven-year-olds in the middle of the inner city of Buffalo. And yep. so at night, we could not go out, and there were bars on the rectory uh, windows. <laughs> so there was, a little, there was a little chubby nun there who um, took an interest and, and knew I could sing. And she said, well, I can't believe you can't play guitar. And I said, I can't play guitar. I want to learn to play guitar. So she and I at the rectory would learn. She's the one that taught me to play guitar. So oh, that's cool. It is very cool. It I didn't know that. I keep surprise. learning things about you. I've evolved a little since I've yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I want to talk about you. So right. you, you have this tremendous gift to be able to bring people together in a place of acceptance, and you changed my life. You changed it on so many levels. Um, sorry. Still emotional. Still get pink in the cheeks. Um, Good. You just changed my life. You, you gave me a space to be and that I was okay, and that I was more than okay, and that I could excel through Allstate, All New England, All Eastern, and through the concerts and all the different pieces that we did. So I'm calling you this morning to just thank you, because well. this congregation gets to experience me um, <laughs> every single week, and, um, and the person that I am is deeply influenced by who you are and what you did for me. So I just want to say thank you. Well. I want to say thank you to you, and I, 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 when I was in my church this morning, our first Sunday back with the choir, um, I told my congregation that you were going to talk about me, and I was going to be live, and I was, my Fitbit was thinking I was a different person because my heart rate kept going up, <laughs> um, and so not only did I talk about you in my church today, um, we prayed for you and your congregation, and everyone is extending um, their best wishes to you and to your congregation from the United Church of Hinesburg, Vermont. All right. So, um, you, you, Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, one of these days I'm going to come out and uh, check you out and see if you're really exciting to be in your congregation. You are welcome, and we have a beautiful uh, guest room that you are going to come and stay in, too. So Perfect. We're excited about that. And I hope to see you in a couple weeks uh, when I'm yeah. on vacation in Vermont. My brother's youngest son, Chris, is getting married. So hopefully awesome. you and I can get together for some coffee and continue the conversation. I would love that. My daughter is getting married in two weeks, so uh, um, it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting time for me as, as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for being open to do this with me today. And just know I love you and I appreciate you and that um, you not only changed my life, you changed hundreds of people's lives. And I, I want to thank you for being an awesome teacher. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep doing that because I still have a ton of music and I wave my arms all the time. And I have people, uh, you know, we don't put pe people in pigeonholes. We don't... We don't uh, Everybody comes and sings, and we have fun, and, and that's what it should be all about. And, uh, you know, we don't care who you vote for, if you're pro-life or pro-choice. We want you to come and sing and enjoy yourself and, and just have a blast. And I think we need to do more of that. Um, I don't think everybody fits in the same pigeonhole, no matter what, you know. 
I think uh, we all have our own unique uh, gifts to give, and uh, I don't think we need to be uh, put in little boxes. I think we need to explore, and, and especially in music, and just enjoy it. It's good for our soul. It is good for our soul. All right, thank you, Rufus. Thank you, Norman. All right, and I will talk to you soon. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Right, Bye-bye. I know you think I make things up about people, but I don't. <laughs> so I thought it might be good to hear from somebody who I've talked about before. But Rufus really played, what am I talking to this for? <laughs> Rufus really made a, a huge impact in my life. He didn't look like this when um, he was directing us. He actually, I just found out he's 10 years older than I am. It's so funny because in school, you don't sort of think in those sort of concepts, but he was, he was 10 years older than I was. He was 28 and he was a bachelor at the time. And um, he actually married one of my classmates uh, three years after we graduated. So that was an interesting story. And, uh, and they have two children and it's, I think they have two children. Anyway, it's really, really wonderful. And the woman that, uh, that he married was one of the women that sang with me in the course. And the, the interesting piece is the course was really lots of fun. But the real work began in the quartets. So we, uh, we were in competition uh, with people from all over the state of Vermont for all state, and we won um, the top, we won top awards. I have a, a thick stack at home of all these awards that we won. And we got to the point where the quartet could sing so well together, and part of the competition was they would give you a piece and you'd have to sight read it. And uh, right on the spot, we got tremendously good. And then from there, we, I, and because I was one of the only tenors, I sang with about six quartets. So there was different, because there were tons of girls and sopranos and altos, but males were really difficult to find. Myself and this other bass guy were really popular. So we got, I got to sing in a lot of the quartets. And then we moved to um, all New England, and uh, that was tremendous. And we won awards there as well, and then I went to all Eastern. My last final, final year, um, as a senior, I was the top tenor in the state of Vermont, which meant that I got the highest score of any tenor in the state. And uh, so it was really cool. And Rufus was behind all that. And what he would do was he, um, he expected excellence. He expected you to show up and he expected you to be really good. And it wasn't that he never lectured us. There was just this energy from this teacher that said, you are more than what you think you are. And so I stand up here every single week to remind you you are more than what you think you are. That you have this potential of excellence. And if you talk to any one of my students in seminary, they will tell you that my coin phrase is what, Millie? What, what is my coin phrase in Holmes Institute? Does it hold the weight of the divine? Do you hold the weight of the divine? Is there something about you that doesn't believe in cheap and shoddy? Is there something about you that knows you're more than what you are at this moment and you're holding back? And the teachers show up in our lives to do that and Rufus did that for me. I actually didn't think I would ever go to college. I have a master's degree. And that's because of Rufus. People like him who stepped into life and said you are more than what you think you should be. What I know is a good teacher is like a candle. It consumes itself to light away for others potential possibility that you actually could be more than what you think you could be. Education 
is the unfolding of the wings of the head and the heart together. The job of a teacher is to push the student out of the nest to the strengthening of their wings. I may have had a crappy home life, but when I would sing, and when I was in school in the chorus, I would soar. I would just soar because a teacher believed in me. There are teachers in our lives who believe in you and we need to believe in them. A good teacher can inspire hope, they can ignite imagination and instill love of learning, and that's what Rufus did. The second type of teacher is not always a person. The second type of teacher can be a pattern or a discomfort in our lives. Those things that cause us to really grow. This is one of my, it's, it's actually in my book. It's one of my favorite, uh, favorite little stories. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost and I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down that same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend that I don't see it, and I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in this same place. But it isn't my fault, and it still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. Now it's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. Uh-oh. It's my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down that same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. <laughs> Chapter 5. I walk down a different street. <laughs> the lessons. The teachers are the holes in the sidewalk. Those places that we fall in, those places where it's not working, those places where there is discomfort, uncomfortability, and the ability to be able to continue inflict self-pain. Those places. And the teachers are the lesson itself. The teachers are the whole itself that we find ourselves in. Life is such a great teacher that you don't need to learn a lesson. If you don't learn the lesson, it will repeat itself. It will repeat itself over and over and over again. And the reason it does is because we live in a boomerang universe. We live with a God that simply reflects back to us that which we believe. There is no God up there pulling strings. There is a God within here reflecting back to us the boomerang effect of our thoughts, our feelings, and our patterns, and the holes that we find ourselves in. And since that is how the law of the universe works, we can pretend that it doesn't and we walk around the hole, or we can pretend that it's not our fault, or we can pretend that it's somebody else's fault. But in the midst of it, the hole in the sidewalk remains until you and I choose to walk down a different street, until we learn the lesson deeply enough to be able to go down a different street. No one can steal from you unless you are a thief. No one can cheat you unless you are a cheater. No one can gossip about you unless you are a gossip. Because the law of attraction 
vibrates at the frequency in which you and I vibrate. And the teachers and the lesson in life is to learn about that law, to learn about the power that you and I possess in that dynamic. Always the wrong person gives you the right lesson in life. Always, repeat that with me. Always the wrong person gives you the right lesson in life because it causes discomfort. It causes you to move instead of sitting there, instead of being in the hole. The person shows up to give you the discomfort you need in order to grow in the direction you need to grow in. Things don't happen for no reason. They happen to teach you something that you need to learn. They show up and we don't like them. And this morning, I'm not asking you to like them. I'm asking you to name them and learn the lesson. Because the discomfort goes away the minute we learn the lesson. But some of us are thick. Some of us have to keep repeating it over and over and over again until we finally realize, oh, there's a common denominator here. It's they and them. No. It's me. And it's you. In the hole. Looking up. And when we stop blaming, shaming, and we get out of the hole and we go down a different street, we get a different experience in life. This comes from my book, 29 Questions on the Sale in the Bookstore. <laughs> Whatever you resist in life, a teacher will appear to help you heal and let it go. Every single time. If you reflect back on your life, you will see that there has been a teacher every single time pushing and prodding you. I have had more trouble with myself than any other person I have ever met. <laughs> because we're it. Never blame anyone in life. The good people give you happiness. The worst people give you a lesson and the best people give you memories. We like to hang out with people we like, don't we? Yeah. And then there's always somebody that comes into the like group and causes a disruption. Have you not noticed this? And what do we want to do with them? Yeah, we want to get rid of them. We can figure out a way. The key is to learn the lesson they have been brought there for us to learn. I don't like it any more than you do. It is the nature of the universe to give us what we are able to take. It cannot give us anything more. It has given all. We have not yet accepted the greatest gift, Ernest Holmes. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, spent eons in the hundreds of books to teach us these simple lessons in life. That there is a greater power within us and we can use it. That when we surrender to life and we surrender to the lesson, the lights come on, the music begins to sing, and life begins to turn around. Until we do it again, or until we arrive to the next lesson. And my friends, there are more lessons coming over the hill. Just like the people. And the lessons that are coming over the hill, we have the skills and the consciousness to be able to deal with them. If we're aware of it if we're open to receive it. Are you aware that Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor for the lack of ideas? <laughs> he also went bankrupt several times before he built Disneyland. 
he needed those lessons. Because the universe tells you no until you step into your great yes. The universe will continue to cause blocks to happen because you're not supposed to be there. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be fully living your dream, fully living who you are. And so you will notice that the universe is clear and blunt, inviting you and I to step in. Because whatever your lot in life is, build something on it. Learning to lose is like a basic training for the next great success. It's saying no so that you can get to the yes. It's letting go of the things that aren't working. And what do we do? We resist it. Resistance to changing from failure is nothing more than hardening of the arteries. Hardening of the attitudes. The arteries in your brain, we harden them instead of learning from them. Last but not least, you and me are also teachers. And we're called to teach the world. It's interesting what we're teaching each other these days. Violence. Disconnection. They and them. Whites against blacks. Muslims against Jews. Is that really the lesson we want to teach each other? When you leave today, you are going to be given a yellow sticky. I'm going to ask you to write something wonderful and powerful on it. And I'm going to ask you to give it away. And let it be its own life. The only way we're going to teach the world is by being the change we want to see in the world. Have you heard of that before? You haven't? It's It's the bookends of our church, in case you haven't noticed of our center here in the process. Did you know that others can pick up your emotion through the electric magnetic energy radiating from your heart? Do you realize that you and I are nothing but energy? The energy of the universe that is radiating out and reflecting in and out and back to each other. A stickum can change a life. A stickum could change the world. A stickum on political leaders' desks would be amazing, wouldn't it? You came to this planet to play at the highest level that you have ever played. You came to play at the levels of Gandhi, of Dr. Martin Luther King, and of Mother Teresa at the level of every great and wise soul who ever made a difference. You came to play with the big kids. Edwin Gaines. You came to pass out stickums. You came here to teach the world. I still remember, because I'm old, not that old. My music teacher's older than I am. I know he's gonna watch this afterwards, so. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world. This, I can't remember the first, second I verse. I don't know it either. Come on, what kind of music person I, are you? I, I didn't know you were going there. Neither did I. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus told me to go there. <laughs> That'll freak everybody out, yeah. (laughs) 
All it takes is one voice to sing and change the world. That's all it takes. If you light a lamp for someone else, it will also brighten your path. Do it for your own selfish reason. Do it to inflame your heart. Do it to open yourself up. Our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes, I think it's the most important paragraph he ever wrote, wrote the following. Read it with me. Teach and practice. Practice and teach. That is all we have. That is all we are good for. That is all we ever ought to do. Practice and teach. In chorus with Rufus Patrick, you would practice, he would teach. He would teach you and you would practice and then you would perform. And the performance was outstanding because we practiced and somebody had the audacity to teach. You and I are teachers. We're the teachers of the soul. We're the teachers of the consciousness going out in the world to change it. This week, if you have a teacher who changed your life and they are still alive, call them, find them. Facebook is amazing. If they're not alive, write them a soul letter. Find the teacher that had the audacity to touch your heart and change your life. This week, learn the lesson from the uncomfortable teacher who's showing up in your life. And last but not least, your homework assignment is to take the stickum, and you can write, you are amazing, you can write anything you want on it. Do not write a whole four paragraphs. <laughs> write one simple sentence and stick it somewhere. Give it to somebody and teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Pray with me. Ah, there is one energetic force in the universe. It is the dynamic of love. It is the power of acceptance. It is the master teacher, Jesus, Gandhi, King, and thousands of others, all expressing the one power we call God, the one source of life that permeates, lives, moves, and has its being through us. I know I am one with that divine power. I know that I step up with the big kids. And I know that each and every person in this space this day steps into who we really are, the divine expression of God, the divine essence that permeates in no other way except through the godness of each and every one of us. Coming from that place and standing on that authority as a teacher, I claim for this community this day that we are here to touch hearts and expand lives. I claim and know this day that we remove all fear, all discomfort, and that we step up and play with the big kids. I claim and know for us this day that the life lesson that is happening to us at this very moment, the discomfort, ah, the teacher has appeared and we learn the lesson and we open our hearts to be back in harmony again. I claim that for every single person in this space. I claim it for our world this day. 
I am in such gratitude for the call to be a teacher, a teacher of the soul, that each and every person in this place has the power to reach out with a stickum and change the entire universe because we are here to teach the world to sing the song of oneness, the song of joy, the song of acceptance, and the song of forgiveness, the song of connectivity, hand in hand with the power we call spirit. I am just so grateful for the law and how it works that I get to see the reflection back not only of my actions, but the actions of others. Knowing that law, I use it wisely, creatively, and powerfully. So I release this unto the universal law because the the minute I have spoken these words, the second I have been speaking this sermon, the second that Rufus has come into this room, life is changing and unfolding in a brand new way. I simply release this knowing that God has have it, got it, is going to go further with it and expand it into the great next chicks to be. What a power we possess. What a joy it is to accept the teacher, be the teacher, and give the teaching away. I simply let it go. And with one voice, we sing and affirm together. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows up. I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows up. where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows up. Yes, I am the place where God lives, moves and breathes and has its being. I am the place where God shows up. We get to circulate our love on the planet and love with the world. And we do that through giving of our tithe and giving of our gifts. And I invite those who are watching us online, all those Vermonters, I invite you to join in and helping get this ministry moving across the planet. So I invite you to take your tithe, your gift in your hand, place it over your heart. Let us pray our affirmation together. I joyfully celebrate the flow of God through me. I am grateful for receiving and giving to my spiritual community. I give thanks, always knowing God is my source, and so it is.